0: Additional terms and conditions apply. When our kids are born, we have expectations as to how our family will interact. What we certainly aren't ready for are the struggles we encounter with the people we love the most. We are here for the parent who feels like they've tried it all, for the parent who feels like they have to yell to be
1: heard, for the parent who is tired of timeouts and kids fighting all day. We are here for you.
0: We believe when parents feel supported and heard, they are able to come to parenting more centered. We offer tools to navigate the messiness of life with kids. We are Peace in Parenting. We're back
1: for another episode of the Peace in Parenting podcast. I'm Gemma and I'm here with Michelle.
0: Hi Gemma, how are you today? Doing well today. What's going well, well um, on? i yeah. <laughs> beat you to it. I know you sure did. Um, We're going on vacation next week. Yay. Yeah, we're so excited. We're going to your neck of the woods. So we're just driving to Oregon. So it's exciting. What about
1: you? What's going well with you? Um, Dan took the boys golfing, so they'll be gone for at
0: least two hours. (laughs) I'm very happy. Let's get this done so you can have some time. I know. Please. Um, What are we talking about today, Gemma? We're going to talk about all kinds of fears, where they come from,
1: how to manage them.
0: Great. you want to get us started?
1: Yeah. So I've dealt with a lot of fears with my boys and I always blamed myself because I'm an anxious person. So there's like, how have I projected this onto them somehow, you know, but I'm starting to not really forgive myself, but I'm just starting to let go of like beating myself up over it. And just, we just deal with each fear as it comes up. And the more calm I am and the more I don't get on myself, I feel like the easier it is for us to get through it. Cause when the very first big fear was the throw up at school. And that was the first time that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I can't be a parent because I, I don't know how to handle this. This is too big. And I feel like I really didn't handle it how I would have liked to. And then when Jonah had fears, I was more prepared to just, like, not rationalize them away. Like, there's no such thing as a skeleton, man. There's no monsters in the closet. Like, I just embraced. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds really scary. I'll just sit here with you, you know, and I'm calm. And then it's not like, oh, my gosh, there's a skeleton, man. Like, how are we going to fix it? Like, if I'm frantic, they're frantic, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think you're so smart that you were like, oh, I I blamed myself because you looked at it again and were like, wait a minute, if I blame myself and then I get down on myself, then it's going to create this like loop of negativity that will eventually end up on our kids. And it's not, it's not your fault, Gemma. It really isn't your fault. It's nobody's fault. Life is hard for kids and oftentimes they manifest fears and we might not know where those come from. They sometimes they attach, you know, little fears to certain events that happened in their life that are unrelated. If they've fallen, then they might manifest a fear of driving down the driveway in their bicycle because they're, you know, conjuring up this time when they fell, even if they weren't on their bicycle the time they fell. So we don't know how these little things get in there. So it's not our fault.
1: Yeah. I showed them the movie Frozen and. Jonah has been scared of the snow monster, you know, the one with Elsa. He always brings it up and now it's like we're calm about it, but before it was like debilitating cuz he couldn't sleep and he would wake up in the middle of the night dreaming about this snow monster and I used to just like cater to it and bring it to my bring him to my bed and like not make him deal with the fear and now I'm like I'll sit here with you. We're going to stay in your room. You know
0: it's dark. I'm sorry if you feel like he's coming. But you're so good. You said I'll stay right here with you. I'll be here. And I think the other thing is just we we get scared because our kid is scared, right? Mm-hmm. And we think we it starts to trigger us. I know mine triggers me back to my old childhood fears, and so then I start to think, oh my gosh, I don't want my kids to feel like I did. I was like fearful of all these things, and it it almost makes it worse when we get triggered back into our own childhood fears. But we can't fix that for them, and trying to talk it away just makes it worse. It Mm -hmm. just makes them more upset. Like you said, when you're calm and you can lean into the empathy, they can start to process.
1: Right. And I think the opposite would be abandoning for lack of a better word. Like I was very scared of the dark as a kid. I had really bad nightmares and my parents said, sorry, you got to sleep in the dark. And so then 25 years later, when my husband's a firefighter and he has to leave me and I have to sleep in a house alone, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you can't leave me here. Like, what am I going to do? And I cry myself to sleep, you know, and now I've learned to deal with that fear, but I had to do it on my own. And I just, I don't want that for my kids. So I wow. choose to
0: stay. Well, and also I think because you were so fearful, then you were like, Oh, well, I'll just bring him in my bed. Yeah. Because that will make him feel not fearful. And I think a lot of us go that way too. Like we go overindulgent the other way, but still the feeling gets stuck. The fear feeling gets stuck and the fear feeling then manifests and comes out and is then our child is unable to sleep in this instance. But there are other um, behaviors that I've seen manifest that I know in my heart are fear-based behaviors Like when a child hits, like I know that Esme started hitting a lot right after her sister was born. Now looking back on it, of course. And I'm thinking, oh, now that I'm looking back on it, it's like, oh, there's fear that there wasn't enough love for her, that there wasn't enough attention for her. So she started hitting because she was so scared that there wasn't enough for her. And her reaction was to hit. So it might not always be a child who is telling you I'm scared of something. It could be that they're exhibiting behaviors that are based in fear. We may not know what those are, but the remedy is the same. It's empathizing when, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't get here fast enough when you hit your sister. I know you didn't want to do that. I'm right here. I'm going to be with you. And so the, the remedy is still the same, even though the it might not be the same manifestation.
1: Right. Because if you don't acknowledge them when they do hit, then it confirms the fear. Like when I hit, I'm unlovable and nobody wants me. And now I'm going to get rejected
0: right? Yeah. So if you punish or if you reprimand or if you shame them, then it might push them deeper into exactly what you said, that fear of being not having enough or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. What other kinds of fears have the boys had?
1: So they're very afraid of the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know if that's because they associate it with shots or because Jonah had a heart surgery and we've had like trauma around hospitals and stuff, but I think I learned this from you because I was very afraid of shots as a kid. And my mom had her own fears. Like she couldn't watch us in pain. And so they would leave me alone in the room with the nurses and the nurses would hold me down and give me shots. And I was just traumatized for life. And so then I'm doing the thing overindulging. Like you said with my boys, I'm like, no, 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 I will never leave them. Like I I'm scared too that they have to get a shot. I don't want to feel the pain. And so They're picking up on my energy. I'm trying to make it better. It's just like this big mess. But what you taught me to do is talk to them like the week leading up to the doctor. Like we're going to the doctor. We're going to get a shot. It's going to be over quick. And then this is what we're going to do. And then I keep reminding them throughout the week until the big blow up comes where they're like, no, I don't want to get a shot. And then they cry it out, you know, and I'm with them. So then when we actually get to the doctor, even if they still have the
0: fear, the crying is a lot less. Yeah, you're helping them process some of those fears. And the other way you can go about it too is I've had clients who have littler kids too and they've played it out. You know, they've gotten like the fake syringe, you know, and the doctor's jacket. And they've said, oh, give me a shot. And then you have them give you a shot say, oh, it hurts so bad. Oh, my goodness. You got me. You got me right there. Oh, no. And then, you know, they'll console you. Oh, it's okay. You can be okay. Or, you know, they start giving all their stuffed animals the shot. Mm-hmm. Or their baby dolls, the shots, and you're just helping them start to kind of process, you know, what's going on and that um, they're able to play it all out, which is another way to kind of expel some of those feelings and offload some of those feelings
1: hmm That's what we did yesterday with Caleb's tooth. It was literally hanging on by a thread Like he's already lost. He, that was his second tooth. So the first one he knew, like, when I rip this, now it's going to hurt. And it's going to bleed. So he was scared. And we're like, you can't, you're going to swallow your tooth. like hanging
0: by a thread. It
1: really, was. And I'm like a picker. I mean, dental hygiene is my thing. So I'm like, I must get this tooth out. It was like painful for me, but I was trying to be really respectful. And so we were just like playing all day. We were like, wait, is your tooth there? Where's your tooth? Did it come out? And he eventually, I mean, at first he was like, nobody touched my mouth. I'm not eating. He told us he wasn't eating all day because he didn't want anything to touch it. And then by the end of the night, we were brushing teeth and we had played so much that he was like, mommy, will you get out my tooth? And then I'll run in and surprise daddy. And we yanked it out, we left and it was fine. And I see that in my boys that they are maturing and they're realizing like life
0: is scary and then it's okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think Esme had that because I was so non-empathetic. Yeah. When she was young, that the only time I was empathetic is when she got hurt. So when she got hurt, it was like, Every emotional upset that that poor child had logged in her body was being processed when she skinned her knee, was being processed when the tooth was coming out, was being processed when she fell and bumped her head. And it would make me insane as a mom because I kept thinking, okay, you skinned your knee, I get it, why are you crying for four hours? Mm-hmm. Because she didn't other, she didn't have any other place to get it out, so she used all these physical hurts because she knew that's the only time I would actually listen to her and be really empathetic. Poor thing was like processing, trying to process everything in one skin knee. I know, I know, but it took a long time for that to get out of her system. You know, she still held on to that physical hurt thing for a long time because then it became this ingrained like reflex almost, where she was just like, that was what she did. Mm -hmm. So I really had to really indulge her when she was having other upsets and other fears and other, you know, emotional things that kind of took her down. I really had to be empathic about all of it. So it got balanced.
1: Yeah, she had her outlet. Um, We had a question in the Facebook group and the mom is saying... I typically just decide he's not ready for the thing that's creating the fear and I remove it from his world, but I'm not sure how to find the balance between removing the thing that's overwhelming him and helping to deal with his fears, which I think is really good because we all do that where you like take
0: it out, you know, you hide it. Well, yeah. Not with any, not with just fear things, right? The kid who's obsessed with who knows what you know the tv remote control we like put it away and hide it or the kid the dog food or the whatever it is instead of just holding the limit and letting them have the upset so i think with her i would say whatever that fear thing is that they're afraid of like let's i don't know if know does she tell you what it is
1: um, there were a bunch of them, but one was like this book about scary underwear. And I've we've actually rented the book from the library. It is a little bit scary. I know what she's
0: talking about. Well, so you could, for that one, you could play it. You could say, oh my gosh, let's get all the underwear out. Ooh, this black one looks scary. This red one looks terrifying. I'm putting the green one on my head. Like Then you could just kind of play the underwear out, you know, where you're just putting them on your head and you're putting let me see you put your scary underwear on backwards, you know? So you could try to play through that one or you could say, well, we're going to read the scary book tonight. Maybe, are you ready to read it? And maybe if he says no, then you're, maybe you can get him to tantrum around it. Maybe you can say, well, I think we really should, maybe we should read the first five pages of it. And if he gets really upset then you can have them go into that upset so that they're processing that fear. Who knows if he's really scared of the scary underwear book or maybe the scary underwear book reminds him of something else. Or maybe at the time that you read the scary underwear book for the first time, something had happened right before it that made the scary underwear book, you know, scary. So even if you remove the item, I would say that this mom, even if you remove the item, the scary underwear book, you might not be removing the fear. The fear could be stuck in there somewhere. And you could actually, the scary underwear book could be your friend to help you get the kid to process whatever the fear is. So I think that's a lot. I've seen a lot in the Facebook group lately where it's like, there's a lot of tips and tricks that people want to use to get our kids to kind of not tamp down, but kind of, you know, regulate. So I know there was a mom who said that her kid wouldn't come downstairs or wouldn't let them go downstairs because they were, the bedrooms were all upstairs, they wouldn't let them go downstairs because he couldn't sleep unless they were upstairs all night. So they were like locked in their bedroom. And lots of people had great suggestions, like maybe you lock the doors with him and turn on the alarm with him. So he knows that it's safe. And maybe you can make sure that his door is closed all the way or your doors open and his doors open and like all these things to kind of placate the child, which I understand, we don't want him to be fearful, but there's no room to process the feeling. And so if we can set a limit around like, no, you're going to stay upstairs and we're going to go downstairs and let him kind of cry and be upset around it where we're empathic, then we're getting rid of the fear. So getting rid of the object is just getting rid of the object. The fear will still be there.
1: Right. It's like the fixer mentality is what I was thinking the whole time. And then you, you end up with a kid like me who like you fixed all that stuff. But then when you're not there, who's going to fix it? <laughs> or like
0: Esme, when everything, then you're going to just get upset at the, the randomest things that make no sense because you've like attached your feelings to all these other events. Mm-hmm. It's
1: hard. We, with the scary underwear book, I used play a lot. There's certain pages that were scary that had the scary underwear on them. They like glow in the dark or something. And I would like close the book and be like, Oh no, this page is too scary. Don't look at this. Please don't come over here. You're, you know, and I would like make noises and I would be super afraid in that Jonah was more afraid of it than Caleb. That worked for him. Cute. When Caleb was really afraid of the throw up, we, we, took him to therapy because I was like, he won't sleep. He won't do anything. He won't go in the classroom anymore. Um, The therapist drew a picture of his fear, which was the throw up. And she put a post-it note over it so he could choose to flip it up or not. And at first he couldn't even tolerate like seeing that the post-it was there because he knew it was under. And then by the end of their sessions together, he did like maybe three or four the post, it was gone. He was fine. He could look at the throw up. And it was just like, she let him process it at his pace. Like she never showed it to him
0: until he was ready. We want him to look at the throw up eventually, right? We want them to read this the underwear book. We want them to be able to, like Esme couldn't swim in the pool because there were too many bees. We want her to swim in the pool because there's going to be bees in life. You know, there are going to be other scary underwear book. There are going to be kids who throw up and you are going to throw up. And like life keeps continuing to move on. And until we let our children offload those feelings, whatever has happened that's made them scared is going to stay stuck. So I think that's the big takeaway from all of this is that, don't let the feelings get stuck. Mm-hmm.
1: Like the bees. Cause Jonah's afraid of bees too. So I used the bees for Jonah. He wanted to be picked up and I'm like, I'm not going to pick you up, but I'm going to stay right here by you. You know, when they're flying around your head and it's scary. Uh-huh. We used that moment and there were like bees in the house one day or something. We used the buzzing and the sounds and I just stood beside him while he like screamed and was thrashing and scared to death. But then. Now he loves bees. We like look up bees on the computer. He wants to see what they do and mm-hmm. over it. But I don't think he would have got over it if I was like, stay away from the bee. It's gonna sting you. Like everybody, run. Even though I'm scared of the bee, like I don't want to get stung either. But we're both gonna sit here and fight through it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's better because if you do act crazy too, and you get in that fight, flight, or freeze kind of mode when you are in a in a dangerous or you know semi dangerous situation, it's not the best. Hmm. As me um, she's definitely afraid of bees and so I would just make like all kinds of funny like jokes like I'm coming to get you, I'm the little bee, I'm gonna sting you right here, I'm gonna sting you right there, I'm gonna be, don't be the bee mom, I'm the bee. You know. And then after a while she would be like, be the bee. You know. So it turned into like play and, and it was okay, she's still scared of bees. The funny thing is she's scared of bees and every time she sees them, she jumps in the pool or goes under the water or goes inside. But then if she sees bees in the pool, she'll go get like the net and get all the bees out and save all of them. My gosh, she's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want him near her, but she doesn't so want him to die. She doesn't want anything to die. So, cute. so I think, yeah, the two the three things I would say is don't shy away from the fears. Fight them head on. Go for them. Don't play Kate. Two is use empathy. And three is use play. And just help your child process the feelings so that they can offload so that they can feel regulated again.
1: Yeah. I was thinking of like Halloween and stuff too. And there's scary stuff. That's a really good time to get some of it out with the scary costumes and.
0: Yeah. Talking about it, you know, talking about it a lot beforehand, before Halloween, if they're scared of Halloween, like what scares you? Like Pia's scared of um, fireworks. And so I'll say, you know, it's getting close to 4th of July. There's going to be fireworks again. And she will, you know, get really upset. I don't want to be there. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to do anything. And I'd say, I know I'm going to be right there with you. I know it's really hard. We'll try and just do a few fireworks, you know, and so you can be out there and watching the few fireworks and I'm going to hold your hand and it gets better every year. But she's, you know, she's still processing it. And who knows what, she's placing like other fear onto it. I don't know, but that's very possible that it got stuck there.
1: Those are all really good. I think that's really helpful for dealing
0: with fear. Yeah, me too. Oh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about teenagers. Um, We're gonna do an episode on adolescents and teenagers, but there becomes a lot of um, social anxiety fears for teenagers. And they're like, you know, they're scared that someone's going to see them with their parents at the mall. Like that's a big fear. They're afraid of, you know, wearing the wrong thing or somebody is going to call them out, you know, in with around other peers. It's going to say something that will embarrass them or that they will look a certain way they don't have the right clothes on they don't have the right makeup they don't have the right basketball jersey whatever it is that they're very concerned and fearful of what their peer group thinks and a lot of times for teenagers that manifests in behavior and i just want parents to keep that in mind if you're a parent of a teenager if you have a child who's acting out at 12 at 13 at 11 at 14 that often and and in many cases that's a lot of their own fears that are going on because of this big growth in their life. And if you, if that is part of what's happening for you, then I would listen to the um, adolescent and teenage episode that we're going to have coming up because I'll go into more depth around that, but just keep that in mind. Do you want to talk about your class too? Oh yeah. Um, So I have an online digital course and it is, all about cooperation and how to get organic cooperation from your kids without yelling and screaming and threatening and bribing and doing all the things that we want to do just to get our tasks done. But you don't have to, you don't have to yell and scream and you don't have to bribe and threaten to get your kid to brush their teeth. And the way to do it is through connection. And so this course teaches you all of the ways in which you can get connected to your kid to get the organic cooperation that all of us want in our household. I give you all the nuances of asking how to ask and when to ask and what's the right kind of ask and then how to take care of yourself so that you're resourced enough to be able to do all this work. It's four modules, it's 14 lessons, it's all online, you can do it on your own. I've got lots of videos in there and support materials. It's a really comprehensive course and I highly recommend it. Me too. <laughs> Thanks so <much. laughs>
1: Okay, check us out on Patreon, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook.
0: That's everywhere.
1: Okay, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.